hear the story that he tells for us and with us. Uh, We are going to consider all of chapter 12, but I'm going to read just the first 14 verses. So Exodus chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. This is the word of the Lord. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's house, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons. According to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night roasted on the fire, With unleavened bread and bitter herbs, they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted, its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning, you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be assigned for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord. Throughout all your generations, as a statute forever, you shall keep it as a feast. Let's pray. Father, we come trusting that the words that we just read, they are gifts from you. At this strange ceremony that involves slaughtering animals and putting blood on doors, it is a gift from you. You speak in this. That's our trust. That's our hope as we come uh, to this text this morning. And trusting in that, we ask for your help. Uh, Would you give us clarity in what seems strange and confusing to us? We ask that your presence would be at work, your spirit would be at work in our hearts, not only giving us understanding, but giving us humility, giving us repentance and faith and power for obedience. Would you open our ears, open our eyes, and our hearts to receive your message and be changed by it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My mom and I have an ongoing controversy, and it's a controversy about photography. And and on her side, in her view, every single moment needs to be captured by a picture. (laughs) So that when there's a family event, we are constantly stopping to capture the moment. Uh, And frankly, in my view, I'd just rather there not be any pictures at all. (laughs) And when I bring this controversy up with my mom, her argument is this. It's always this. I just want to make sure that we remember this. 
as much as I hate to admit it, uh, Scripture comes down on the side of my mom in that controversy. Not with the amount of photographs, but with the value of memory. Exodus 12. Main event in God liberating His people from slavery. And notice in this chapter, the action only takes up a small portion of the verses here. Verses 29 to 32, the action takes up a small portion in the middle of this chapter, and it is surrounded by instructions for a New Year celebration that the people are supposed to observe from here on out. Why? Because God is saying to His people, I want you to remember this. I want you to have an active memory of this. And that is not just an Old Testament concern. Words that we hear every week from Jesus as we take this meal. He says, eat this meal, drink the cup, do this remembering me. Memory is central to Christian worship. Memory is a core element of a vital spiritual life. Memory is essential. It is necessary. We are called to it by God. So two questions as we consider this chapter. What should we remember? And how should we remember? What and how? So first of all, what? What should we remember? And of course, on the surface, it's very obvious God wants his people to remember that he has rescued them. But as we pay attention to the details of this chapter, there's more. We see not only does God want them to remember that He has rescued them, He wants them to remember how He rescued them. So not only that, but how He has rescued them. And God liberates them by unleashing His judgment. He unleashes His judgment on the nation, the empire of Egypt. This happens throughout the plagues in chapters 7 to 11. And it comes to a climax in this tenth plague, the death of the firstborn. And we talked about the firstborn before. And let me remind you that the firstborn, for these ancient cultures, the firstborn represented the future. He represented the future survival and prosperity of of the community of families, and the nation as a whole. And so Egypt has attacked the future of God's people, Israel. And so God comes against Egypt's future. But it's interesting, isn't it, in this chapter, that there's this underlying threat of judgment, not only for Egypt, but for Israel as well. God makes it very clear to the people of Israel that their firstborns are not automatically exempt just because they share the DNA of Abraham. And so God, to rescue His people, unleashes His judgment, but that's not all He does. As He unleashes His judgment, He protects His people from His judgment. And how does He do that? 
How does God, as He unleashes His judgment, how does He protect His people? With Sean the sheep. (laughs) Right? He does it with these furry little creatures. He protects His people from this major event of judgment with sheep, lambs, which they slaughter, put the blood on the door, and make dinner. And doesn't that strike us as odd? Doesn't that hit our modern ears as a weird way for God to protect and rescue His people? Well, it seems strange to us, but for someone steeped in the stories and message of the Old Testament, it makes total sense. Let me give you one example. Abraham. Abraham, the ancestor of these people, the recipient of God's promises, the miraculous father of Isaac, his firstborn, the son of the promise. God comes to Abraham, Genesis chapter 22, God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your son to me. Your firstborn son, the son of the promise, I want you to sacrifice him to me. And when we read that, we think that story becomes about the internal anguish of Abraham, about whether he will obey God or not. But that's not what the story is about. Abraham tells us what the story is about when he responds to Isaac. Isaac says, Dad, I see the wood and I see the fire. Where is the lamb? What does Abraham say? God will provide a lamb. And God does. As Abraham puts Isaac on the altar and takes the knife, the angel of the Lord says, Stop. Don't sacrifice your son. Sacrifice the ram caught in the thicket instead. And the point of that story is, and the point of, this is a consistent message in the Old Testament throughout Scripture, the point is that sin should take the future of every family. Sin should take the future of every family. All families deserve God's judgment. But God has provided another possibility. God has provided the possibility of protection through the symbolic death of a representative lamb. So not surprising that God rescues His people by pouring out His judgment and protecting them, covering them with a lamb who dies in their stead. The word Passover doesn't mean just pass by. It means to hover. It means to protect. So God, as He gives them this mark, the mark of the blood of the Lamb, is saying to them, I will hover over you. And as my judgment is poured out on the land of Egypt, you get a table rather than a casket. You get life and a future and freedom rather than death because you are covered by my provision. And that's what he wants them to remember. That is what he wants them to recall. And notice that this memory isn't simply about an event. It is about an identity. The Passover memory is not just about what happened. It is about who God is 
and who His people are in relationship to Him because of what He has done. It is remembering an identity in relationship to God. Last week I mentioned Stanley Kubrick, seminal figure in the history of American cinema. This week, Karate Kid 2. All right, Karate Kid 2, probably not as important in the, in the history of American film, uh, but it was my dad's favorite movie when I grew up, and so I have watched it way too many times, and so I'm going to use an illustration from it, okay? And so in Karate Kid 2, the Karate Kid ends up in Okinawa. I won't go into all the details of how that happens, but he's in Okinawa, and he, of course, develops a romantic interest. And at some point, the Karate Kid and his romantic interest have teeth. And it's not just kind of informal, hey, let's sit tea and chat. It is a ceremony. It's a ritual with all these gestures that communicate the nature of where that relationship has led to, of what that relationship has become. It's a ceremony that communicates who they are in relationship to each other. In the romance of God with His people... That's the Passover. The Passover is a ceremony that communicates who God is. The God of perfect justice, but also the God of perfect provision. And because of that, it communicates who His people are. They are deserving of His judgment. But instead, they get His mercy. They get His covering. They get His protection. They get life rather than death. They get a table rather than a casket. Because of who He is in relationship to them. And that identity belongs to all of those who belong to Jesus. The identity of the Passover meal belongs to all of those who belong to Jesus. Why? Because He's the Lamb. He's the Lamb. Jesus fulfills in reality what all of those lambs throughout Israel's history can only symbolize. So that as John the Baptist sees Jesus walking up to him at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he says what? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus, at the end of of His ministry, right before He goes to the cross, He presides over the Passover meal with His disciples. And He talks about the bread and the cup, but He doesn't talk about the lamb. Right? Why? Because He is the lamb. He is the covering. He is the protection from God's judgment as His body is broken, as His blood is poured out. Jesus covers all of those who belongs to them, belong to Him. He covers them and He gives them communion with God. Relation with God rather than rejection. Paul in 1 Corinthians 5 says, Christ is our So that as we read Exodus 12, we need to hear Jesus. Because in Him, we receive an identity. 
we hear who God is for us because of what Jesus has done for us. That although He is a God of perfect justice, He is also the God of perfect provision because He has given us His Son. That although we deserve His judgment, instead, we are covered by His mercy. We are protected by His blood. And instead of death, He gives us a table. A table of life where God says to us, I am yours and you are mine. And we must remember that. We must remain aware and conscious of what it means for Christ to be our Passover. Sinclair Ferguson says that Satan, our enemy Satan, is always committing identity theft in the hearts and minds of believers. You see, there are so many rival voices around us, so many rival practices that want to say, this is who you are. You are your successes. You are your failures. You are your morality or you are the lack of morality. You are what you consume, what you own, or what you don't own, or what you don't consume. You are where you live or where you don't live. And through Christ our Passover, God says, no, 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 no. That is not who you are. You are most yourself at the table with blood on the door and meat on your plate. Hearing God say, this is who I am for you. I am your Passover. I don't only pass you by, but I dwell with you. I cover you. That is who you are. And so we must remember our identity. We must remember Christ's our Passover. But how? Second question. How do we do that? How should we remember in the way that God calls us to? Well, of course, God gives His people a ritual. He gives them a meal that they're supposed to eat every year to remind them of what has happened. But notice with me how He tells them to eat this meal. Look again at verse 11 of chapter 12. Verse 11, he's telling them to eat the Passover meal, and this is how you're supposed to do it. Verse 11, in this manner, you shall eat it. With your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Why in haste? Why are they supposed to eat so quickly? Well, because something's about to happen, right? They eat this meal with expectation. With anticipation. They eat expecting God to be at work. To lead them to freedom. To lead them out of slavery into life. They eat trusting that transformation will happen. You see this also in the contents of their plate. We've already talked about the lamb. But what else is on the plate at Passover? Bitter herbs. Which represents the bitterness of their oppression in Egypt, their oppressive slavery in Egypt, bitter herbs, and unleavened bread. Why unleavened bread? 
Because there's no time for the bread to rise. God is freeing them so suddenly, so dramatically, that they don't have time to let the bread rise. And so they eat unleavened bread, trusting that God is taking them from the bitterness of their slavery to something better. To life. They eat with anticipation. And that anticipation isn't a one-time deal. It isn't only that original Passover that is to be eaten with expectations. Look with me at verse 42. A verse we didn't read, but look at verse 42. God is talking about the perpetual observing of the ritual of Passover every year, the beginning of the year for His people. Verse 42, it was a night of watching by the Lord. That's the past. To bring them out of the land of Egypt. So this same night is a night of watching kept to the Lord by all the people of Israel throughout their generations. Do you see what it does? It says, hey, back here, back then, God watched over you. You were watched by the Lord. Now, as you eat every year, watch for the Lord. Eat with anticipation. Eat expecting and trusting that the God of the Passover, that God who rescued you back then, who He was for you back then, is who He is still for you. Who He will continue to be for you. The Passover is not just something that happened back then. It tells God's people of who He is for them continuing now and into the future. Passover memory isn't just nostalgia. It's not looking back at something good that happened and saying, oh, that's nice, let's now move on with our lives. Passover memory is memory that brings the past into the present and makes it a present reality into the future. So Passover is less family photos, high school yearbook, and more this ring that is on my finger. What does this ring do? It connects to a past event when I was married, but it brings that past event and the vows that I took at that event into my present, into today, and into tomorrow as well. So when we remember, we must remember with anticipation, with expectation. We must remember Christ our Passover with faith and hope. We must remember knowing it's not just about who God was for us back then. It is about who He is for us now and tomorrow and into eternity. God has, God has given us tools for memory. He's given us tools that help us to remember. Certainly the most obvious uh, connection to this text is this table. He's given us the table of communion, the Lord's Supper. And by it we remember what Jesus has done for us. And of course the Lord's Supper is central to Christian worship, to the gathered worship of the church. And that is a tool by which God helps us to remember what He has done. And then alongside worship, we have Bible reading and prayer and spiritual discipline, all tools that help our memory. And we should value those things. We should make them a priority. But here's the deal. 
They're not just tools for memory. They are ways that God is present and active even now. That because of what Jesus has done, He is with us in the table, in worship, through His Word and in prayer with His people. He is with us. He is active. He is empowering us. He is covering us. He is keeping us to the end when He will complete the work that He has started. I think sometimes we look at worship, we look at communion, we look at these other things like they're scrapbooks. Where we look to the past and say, hey, these really cool things happened, now let's move on with the rest of our life. But they aren't that. These are ways of remembering that bring the past into the present and the future. That who God was for us as Jesus suffered and died, as He rose from the dead, who God was for us then is who He is for us now. It is who He will be for us tomorrow. And it is who He will be for us into eternity. We are covered. We are protected. We are kept. It's a documentary that came out a couple of years ago. It's called Alive Inside. And it follows a social worker who goes into um, uh, retirement homes and nursing homes and works with elderly people that are struggling with dementia. And he does it through music. He makes playlists on an iPod and puts earphones on these people who are struggling with dementia and the the film shows the power of music to awaken memory. There's a clip from that movie that went viral a couple years ago of, of a man sitting slumped over completely unresponsive and they put the headphones on him and the music begins to play and he comes alive. He wakes up and begins to interact with people. That's my hope for us as we hear the music of the Passover. As we hear the music of Christ, our Passover lamb. As we hear that music, my hope is that it would awaken in us a memory of our identity. Who we are, deserving God's judgment, but covered by His mercy. My hope is too that it would awaken in us anticipation. That we would look for God at work now because of what He has done for us in Jesus. That we would be awake with the expectation that God is at work by His Spirit, transforming us, our families, our community. Let's let the music of Passover wake us up to who God is for us then and now and in eternity. Let's pray.